let's go ahead and check out what the Lord wants to talk to us about tonight. Um, just one of the things that's been going through, you guys can go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 6. And this is something that, I mean, Sean's been talking about it for the last few weeks, both Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. I don't know, it's just a theme that keeps coming back. Um, and as I was going through the Word and, and trying to, you know, figure out what the Lord wanted to teach this week, it was just keep kept going back to this. And so, one of those things is like, are you sure? Because we keep hearing it, but I don't know. It's probably because of people like me that just need to hear it and hear it and hear it. <laughs> so, actually listen, you know. Um, and I love what he goes through in this. And, um, I mean, we know these scriptures. You guys have been through them. You guys have studied them. But it's so cool sometimes there's things that come out that you haven't realized that were there before. And that's kind of like what happened when I was going through the scripture. And so really want to encourage you guys just my own devotional time and what he's been teaching me and just digging deep, you know, and digging deep for that relationship, digging deep for hearing him and then doing what he's asked me to do because it's, it's depressing, especially the last two weeks for me. I get stressed out with a bunch of different things that I'm responsible for. And it's kind of like, the whole submission, the digging deep and everything becomes like this shallow thing where I'm like, <laughs> I'll scrape away the surface and that's about all time I have right now, okay? And then I'm moving on to the next thing. Uh, I know the things I should be doing, but I'm so stressed I don't have time to be doing what you want me to, God. And it's like one of those places where he just brings you back. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know why you're so miserable right now? It's because we haven't been hanging out together. And, and it's just, it's, it's very convicting um, to me, but it also puts me back in that place like, oh yes, I do have true comfort. I do have true peace, and, and it, I know where to go to get it, and I've been there before, so I know it's a sure deal, and I know that's the way with you guys, so hopefully this is encouraging. If it's been a hard week, a hard two weeks, month, or whatever, just it's a refreshing. That, that Go back and dig deep. Spend that extra time and going back into the Word and listening to what He has to say. Not just following behind, hoping that you can get some, you know, fish or some loaves or something like that, but actually sitting down with him, listening to what he has to say, and then go out and do it. And uh, so that's what it's about tonight. So let's just read real quick, and then we'll pray uh, that he'll just speak to us. So in Matthew, or sorry, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building, his ha building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So, Lord, just as we go through your scriptures and what you taught people that were following after you and walking behind you and, and those great multitudes that you had around, Lord, I pray that we'd be those disciples that are sitting at your feet, the ones that you prayed over all night long to see which ones the Father wanted uh, you to have really close. And so... Lord, we want to be those. We want to be those disciples right at your feet, ready to do what you've asked us to do. Lord, all those things that come up in our lives and become distractions to us that get in the way between us and you, and, and we let go of your hand and then wonder why peace has left us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to return. We'd come back before you, and if it's sin that's gotten in the way, Lord, that we'll just repent before you 
and turn the other way from that sin to join hands with you again and, and just be your children like you call us. And so we long for that, Lord. We long for that awesome relationship that you just have right there. And Lord, I pray that you would show us if there's anything that's in the way tonight um, or something we let keep getting in the way, uh, that we'll be over it. And, and we'll just hand it over to you, and, and Lord, that we can just have that strong relationship. And um, we just ask these things in your name. Amen. So you, do you guys know this name? It's Burj uh, Galifa. Do you guys recognize that at all? Burj Khalifa. Okay, I'm sure you guys would recognize it if I showed you a picture. It's the tallest building in the world in Dubai. That's what it's called. I didn't know that either, but there you go. <laughs> so Burj is 2,722 feet tall to the very top. We know it's the tallest building. Amazing. If you guys go and look at it, it's crazy. Uh, there's people that are trying to sneak in there to climb up to the top. On the very top of it, actually, people have taken Sharpies and written their names on there and, you know, taken all the pictures and... It's interesting. It's something that people are drawn to, but one of the things, I mean, you look at that tall of a building and, and you're just like, wow, I can't believe that feat was achieved. It's pretty cool. It's an awesome thing. The fireworks show is unbelievable that they do when they open it up. I think it was the 4th, no, I don't know, 4th of July in 2010, I think is when it opened. But with this huge tower, you guys know that there has to be a good foundation. I mean, any of those towers that are out there, they have to have something that's definitely founded. Well, they're building this thing out in the middle of the desert. So you can imagine that tall building, that much weight coming down on sand, what did they do to found, you know, get that foundation going? And usually the things that are celebrated about that, that uh, tower is all these world records that it's broken. You know, the highest suite, the, of course, the highest tower, the highest swimming pool, the fastest elevators, the highest elevators. It's all these records that they've broken, but very little is talked about in that foundation. So I went and looked, and they had a cool picture of this foundation. And it looks like a star, like a three, maybe like a shuriken, you know, like ninja star. It's got three little arms that come off of it, just like the tower is. But what they did is, because it's on that sand, they had to kind of make a raft for it to kind of float there. And so it's interesting that this raft is like three and a half meters thick of concrete, more like that, you know, just huge, right deeper than that. I'm definitely not three meters tall, but it's really deep, this, this pad of concrete. And then what they did is they took 194 poles, okay? They just drilled them straight down into the ground, right through everything, and finally hit some hard rock down the bottom. 194 of these, and they're each a meter and a half wide, or their diameter is. So massive poles that they're digging down in this thing. From the bottom of the raft down to where they hit rock was 155 feet. That's how far they had to go down until they hit that rock. And you guys can imagine, I mean, these is like, just for the foundation, just to make it, it, took a year, just for the foundation. But it was so important that they got that right so they didn't have a Tower of Pisa, right? That it wasn't leaning on its side. But I couldn't believe the thing that they had to go into in, in developing this, this, uh, this foundation for the whole thing. And I forget, it was like, uh, I can't remember how many tons, over 150,000 tons of concrete used in this thing. It was just something unbelievable. So it wouldn't be like the Tower of Pisa. Now you have the Tower of Pisa, which did you guys know that that actually started leaning right when they started building it back in the 1700s? Yeah, it started leaning like their third story and it's already starting to tip on them because their foundation wasn't right. It was in the mud and the clay and everything. So they actually started, okay, they went three stories high, stopped because of a war, I can't remember what it was, but then 100 years later, they picked back up <laughs> to build up more, and they started actually building the, the columns on the other side taller to try to get it to go back. 
they went up three more stories, stopped for a couple hundred, I don't know, hundred years or I can't remember how many years in between then, and they finally went up to the eight stories. But the whole time the thing's leaning, until finally it was in the '80s is when they went and pumped some concrete into it to try to fix it, and actually started pushing it over even more. And they're afraid it was going to fall because there's another place in Italy that there was a tower, a bell tower like that that fell. Until they finally got the technology. They came in, put a massive concrete base around the bottom of it, and then they went in and actually took dirt out. They drilled holes down in the bottom of the side that was higher, took the soil out one at a time, these cores, until the thing started tipping back over because of the compression back on the soil. Just really interesting, this technology to bring this building back over because they wanted to keep it, you know? I mean, it's, it's an icon. It's, and they didn't want to, of course, straighten it all the way back up because it had been how many years like that? I don't know, we just watched Superman, the first one, remember when he goes, and he, or not the first one, when he gets crazy and he starts being evil, he goes back and tips it up straight, and the guy throws all the, <laughs> all the tourist little statues on the ground, and then at the end of the movie, he comes back and tips it back over, <laughs> and the guy had all straight ones. Go see it, it's funny. <laughs> Anyways, all that just to get back onto how important the foundation is, and we all know that. We know if you go up into Dawson Ranch, one of the biggest things you look for in a house is what, Smiths? Because you just did it. <laughs> you know? That foundation. I mean, every house up there, you want to check out the foundation because they've had problems because somebody didn't engineer a lot of the houses right. And so they have all this breaking going on and danger happening with the houses. And it's actually brought the value of them really far down. So it's so important. And, of course, when Jesus is talking about this and he's giving this example to him, he's saying, guys, listen. If you're really going to fall after me, you're going to call me your Lord. And we look at that as master. We are the servant. Lord, what do you want me to do? You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. Well, he has all these people saying, hey, Lord, Lord. But then they're not doing the things that he's wanting them to do. And he's, the things that he's just taught them. And this follows right after the mount uh, where he goes and sits down with his disciples and teaches them. And the multitude gets to over here. The Mount of Beatitudes, right? Um, so he's coming back, and this is the very end of it. If you're over in Matthew 7, it's right at the end of Matthew uh, of the Beatitudes, starting in chapter 5. But he sits him down, and he says, guys, you got to think about what you're saying. If you're going to call me master of your life, lord of your life, king of your life, and not do anything, then you're just giving me lip service. And I'm going to show you what you're like. Whoever comes to me, then there's three different things here. Whoever comes to me, hears me, and does it right? Those three things right there. So we come to Jesus, and that's an awesome experience. We come to him, you know, and it's great to see other people come to him, and then you get to hear the powerful word, and you're just like, you're blown away. I mean, you know, you come into church, and you're like, okay, who told the pastor that about me? (laughs) We've all had those experiences. We're wondering, you know, and it's either we get upset with the spouse or our friend that brought us or whatever. We get to know that later on, it's just he's speaking to us because the word is living, that God is a living God, and he's going to interact with us because he loves us as his children. We get these two things, and we're like, yes, this is so awesome. I love walking with him. And then we get to this place where it's like, you really want me to do that? <laughs> I like all these other things. You know, I, I'll leave you know, the different deals and, and the, you know, the blatant sins that I know about, but these dealings with other people, you really want me to do that? And we're going to go back and we're going to refresh our memories in just a second on what he was talking about. But right before he gets into this in Luke, it's all about focusing on how we should deal with other people, especially our enemies. And so you come to that place, it's like, I really don't want to do that with them. I hate them. 
Like, you don't know what they did to me, you know? The other day, I went over to somebody's house. I won't say where it was, but I wanted to make sure their neighbor had enough space, so I parked right up on their car, and I got my big truck, and then the neighbor thought I was too much in his space, so he came within that far behind my bumper. So my truck stuck in there. Now, I was trying to give him space, and you know what? Right away, I was just like, I love that guy. <laughs> He's such a good guy. I actually told Shelly, I was like, you know what I was thinking of doing? In the middle of the night, go paint his curb red and go put a fire hydrant right in front of his house. <laughs> you know, anchor it down, pull a big old concrete post in there and just anchor that thing and be like, ha, <laughs> it's nobody's spot now. But... <laughs> These things we want to do and these things that people, they've stepped on our toes and we're like, okay, it's on. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't have done that to me. Um, that's where it gets to those hard things and where he says, you know, why don't you do them? But I want to show you who it's like. And Jesus goes on and he talks. He says he's like a man building a house who dug a deep. And this is the part that I love because I had never seen it before. Because most of the time I read this out of Matthew and it doesn't have this part, the, the explanation so much on the foundation and how he does it. So this guy's building the house, and he goes and he digs deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So he had to actually dig down to find the rock. Just like that massive tower in Dubai, they had to go that far down, 155 feet, before they hit that solid rock. That's a lot of effort. And 194 times they had to do that. I mean, that's a lot of effort, but they don't want it to move. You can't have that structure moving. And just getting to see that that's what happens if we don't want to see ourselves moved by these little things by people, how far have we dug down? And I look at, if I'm swayed that easily by some stupid parking spot, it's like, wow, I've barely scraped the surface. I really haven't found any rock. Because if that can destroy my building, you know, if, if that causes cracks in my whole system, it's like, wow, where's the rock at? Because I sure haven't hit it yet. And I'm not talking about salvation, of course. I'm just talking about listening to what God has to say and actually doing it. You know, exercising it, disciplining the body so that that's what the first reaction is rather than automatically I'm going to go to back to my flesh. And so he says, he dug it deep, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose or when the problems came, the stream beat against that house and it could not shake and it didn't shake it for it was founded on the rock. And then he says, but he who heard... And did nothing. So there's another guy that's there, and he's with Jesus because he's hearing what Jesus is saying, right? And we all hear what Jesus is talking about. Every time we're here on Sunday and Wednesday, we get to hear about what God's talking to us about. But are we walking away from here and then we're doing nothing? As it says, and he does nothing, like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. How foolish is that? I mean, even in Mexico, they know at least when they're building a pallet house. They at least bury the first pallet halfway into the ground. <laughs> to not have any kind of foundation at all is just ridiculous. I mean, you're going to see that it's, it's gonna, your house is going to be gone. There's these massive apartments. I was looking at the images for failed foundations. It's a weird search because a lot of it, you get these women's makeup that comes up. <laughs> Make sure you put in there the building <laughs> foundations. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, they were failed for sure. But on the buildings, <laughs> they, there was, uh, in Russia, there's these massive apartment complexes. I mean, huge, you know, like good old communist style, massive concrete, just right over on its side because of the soft dirt right there. I mean, the whole complex, and it was still all intact because they know how to build concrete, right? 
not even shattered, just like boom, right over in the ground. Failed foundation, not the face. And then he says, but those who did not hurt it, they didn't do anything. They didn't build a foundation. And when the stream and the wind and everything beat against it, it fell immediately. It wasn't like it took some time. It was like, boom, it was done, showing that there was a short fuse. So you put it in there, like if something sets you off really quick, you're probably walking away from here not doing anything. Like there's nothing that's really touching your heart, or maybe it is touching your heart, but there isn't the, okay, you know what, I want to follow through with what you've convicted me of, Lord. I want to follow through with, with what you've asked me to do, being your son. And the ruin of the house was great. You know, and just speaking of the house, it's just that's our life that we're living with Jesus. That's, that's what we're doing with him. As you look at this and just building up, what does our lives look like? Is it on this foundation? Is it a great spiritual life that's just completely founded on that rock? Because the thing is, we've actually taken the time, the effort, the pain to actually dig down and get to that rock. Because I always think it's just like this easy deal. Like, okay, cool. If I show up to these different things, that's, that's me putting my house on that foundation. And that's when I look at Matthew, not to go off you know, and bag Matthew, but there's anything about digging deep. And I love how Luke puts that in there because there's effort that's showing. There is actually you have to go and do something. It isn't just like, boom, I got Jesus at church. You know, I got Jesus Wednesday nights. And then trying to remember it throughout the rest of the week, especially when that flesh wants to take over. So let's go back up and refresh our memories up on verse 27 of the same chapter, chapter 6 in Luke. And just what Jesus was talking about, you know, when, when he even says this and what he's, he's trying to tell them and, and encourage them to do. You know, us being what it's been claimed as is in the Word of God is that what are we? We're the salt and the light, aren't we? It says it over and over again that that's what we are. And there's so many times that when we go out into the world, the salt and the light, you know, usually we think of them as Christians. We're like, yeah, I love being the taste of the world, you know, that, that sweet, that deliciousness, you know, that's going to pull out all that flavor. Or the light that's going to go in there and show what's in the darkness, you know. Flashlights are great, when, especially when you're camping, you know, in the middle of the night. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Flashlights are great. Light's good. But here's the thing is when you look at it from perspective of the world, salt does not feel good in a wound. Burns like crazy. Hate it. Light? I mean, if you guys have ever had to sleep in a room to where the curtains are not dark curtains and you have a street light that's on at night right on your eyes, it's frustrating. You don't like light then. You want nothing to do with light. In the mornings, you know, when it gets pulled open on you all of a sudden when you're trying to sleep in, if you do that, <laughs> you're just like monster instantly. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> the light to the world is not a good thing to them. They don't like it. They love the darkness. It says that in the Word of God. And so when the light comes on them, they don't want to see it. It's kind of like, oh, that's horrible. Get it off me. I don't want any of that on me. And we really get to this place where the world can't stand us. I mean, that's what we were promised, wasn't it? They said they were going to like us. Over in, in Philippians 1.29, it says that. You know, that we're with Christ, but we also have to expect that we're going to suffer with Him as well. Another verse is in 2 Timothy 3.12. It also talks about that. That we're going to have to expect that. Like, the world is not going to like us. Jesus even said, you know, they don't like me. They're not going to like you, of course. You're my children. So just expect that. So when we go out there, and because we know already we're going to have enemies in the world, well, how do we deal with them? And we know what the scriptures say. Yeah, be nice to them. Let them slap you on the cheek. You know, 
give them whatever they want. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, that's what they want us to do. I, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. And it's, it's, it's this idea that comes in and people are like, oh, well, Christians are just supposed to be pacifists. Like, give them everything, let them have everything, let them do whatever they want to me and my family. And we'll find some other scriptures that really doesn't say that in the scriptures. But what Jesus is talking about here is how do we deal with the world? And even in my Bible, it says at the very first, this rules of kingdom life, right? I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't really think this should be looked at as rules. I think it should be in heart. That as we come across these people that don't like us, that can't stand us, that, you know, and he's going to go through that have rejected us, insulted us, abused us physically, and even sued us. Dealing with these different people, our heart to them should be as a child of the Most High, like what it says at the very last of this part. That's where our heart is. And then when it becomes that it's not a rule book, but it's rather our heart attitude towards them, we can actually become like Stephen. Do you guys remember how awesome that was? I mean, that guy, Acts 7.60, he talks about it. It's right there where he's getting stoned to death, Right? I mean, a horrible thing. They drug him outside of the city, and the thing was is they proclaimed the Holy Spirit to them. One of the last things, this is like when God decides that Israel's done, when they reject him. And so he's pouring out his heart. He's trying to have them come to Jesus Christ, and they want nothing to do with it. And so they take him outside of the city, and it, I don't, sometimes what they would do is they throw him off an edge, and then they'd lob massive rocks on top of him. Sometimes they'd bury people with just their head out, knock them in the head with the rocks, or just go for it right in the middle of the crowd. It's a horrible thing, a sick thing. I mean, this is so personal, just taking rocks and, and destroying somebody in that way. Stephen's there. He's told him everything. He's done out of the will of the Father, and what does he say? He says the same thing Jesus says, doesn't he? Forgive him. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive him. It's like, what? And getting to see that heart attitude that Stephen had to them is that he just wanted to see them come to Jesus Christ, and he's broken heart that they won't do it. And even while he's getting killed by them, he's still pleading with the Lord, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. What a neat place to be, right? And that's where God asks us to be. That's what he's saying is dig down deep, found that, find that rock, put that foundation on there so that your house will not fall. Because you don't want to have a horrible fall like that other guy had. So in verse 27, it says, but I say to you who hear, there it is right there. You guys that are listening, I want to talk to you. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, also do to them likewise. And this is really hitting home from these guys because at this time they're occupied by Rome, right? Well, the rules were is that if any Roman soldier asked anything of you, you were supposed to give it to him. But of course, being zealots or, or you know not wanting anything to conform with the Roman law, you could, you could see that they wouldn't want to have anything to do with this. This was considered their enemies. And so when he's talking about this, this would actually happen. They would come along and say, hey, give me your coat, some soldier. And it's saying that, you know what, go ahead and give him your tunic as well. It's like, whoa. I only have two pairs of clothes. <laughs> I can't give up one. I mean, this soldier has everything. He's sponsored by Rome. And, and uh, yeah, why do I have to give this stuff up? And it just really hits home to these guys talking about, you know, loving your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And this goes back. I mean, it talks about this back in, in Proverbs even. This isn't a new thing that God was talking about. So 
when you come up against those enemies and the ones that absolutely hate you, you try to do what's good to them. In Romans, it talks about, and it goes and extends it, and it says, and this will heap coals on their head, won't it? Sometimes we just look at that part like, yes, I'm going to do it, because in the end, <laughs> payback, you know? Rather than just, uh, right here, he doesn't say that, does he? Jesus just leaves it at, you know what, do good to him. Those guys that hate you, any of those books that you guys go through, and I know I talk about them, but any of the ones that you guys have seen that have suffered for Christ, imprisoned for Christ, uh, books, Fox's Book of Martyrs, those are such cool stories because so many of those people there, they're dealing with the guards that are coming in and shocking them or, or throwing food at them or throwing the waste at them. or I mean, horrible things. Uh, another one's a Heavenly Man with Brother Yun. Crazy things that would happen to these guys, and over and over again, they were just like, we love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And these, they were so cool because a lot of these guards came to Jesus because of this love that was poured back on them, even though they absolutely didn't deserve it. And that's what Jesus is talking about. There's something that's so much deeper. Like this person, you know, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You just got to love them. Keep loving them. So they hate you. Keep loving them. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. So if anybody flips you up or off in the car, what's your natural instinct? Bless you. <laughs> You know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that sometimes will go through our heads. Like, either we're really offended and, like, hurt and can't get over it for a while because we can't believe somebody just, you know, did that. Or, or somebody's yelling at you and, and going off, and you can see them in your mirror, and you're like, okay, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> and I told you guys that story about Sean cutting me off, but I didn't know because it was his new car. Yeah, me and my brother were getting ready to get, off, <laughs> get after this guy. <laughs> It was a funny thing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> These things that automatically were like, oh no, you just offended me. You're going down. You want to curse me? I'll, I'll one up you. Let's go at it. You know, or I'm going to make sure you pay for this and, and I'll do things that you won't even know that it's me, but I'm going to make your life miserable. Right? These little spiteful things. The people that use us, and that's a hard one too, isn't it? And when we get used by somebody, especially those of us that maybe have your own business, uh, those of you guys that are working for other employers, and they just use you, it's a hard thing to take. Because it's like, whoa, whoa, you, you're, you're messing with my pride here because I deserve a lot more than what you're giving me. Uh, I'm a lot better person than that. And there's no way anybody's going to step on me like you just did, and I'm going to tell you what it's all about. You know, and it's these things, it's like, no, you don't go there. But it says right there, it says, and those are the guys that spitefully use you, pray for them. Pray for them. These are hard things to do, aren't they? Because automatically it's like, boom, my flesh has been set off. We're about to have a war, and then later on repentance comes, and we're like, God, I don't know why I did that. I messed up. Please forgive me. And it's one of those things that he's saying, guys, get into the habit of when this happens, you're just ready. Like when they're going to throw rocks at you, you're just ready just to bless them and pray for them. It's such a cool life when you get to see what they're doing. But the only way that happens, and I'm going to keep going back to it, is digging deep. You cannot just scratch the surface and expect this is what's going to happen. That's why he brought up that parable and said he's like this guy that had to dig deep to find that rock. And getting into the Word of God. And him, from him who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give, or I'm sorry, I skipped this slapped in the cheek. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And this... <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I've never had to deal with this before. I've never had somebody just come up and slap me, and, and then I'm like, okay, here you go. It, it, 
it, it's one of those instances that what it's talking about is what your situation you're going through and you really have to be wise when these verses are talking about it. And I want to give you some other examples of what I'm even talking about here is that when somebody slaps you on the cheek, there is the time where we just sit there and we take it. And it's one of those things, it's like, this is for the kingdom of God. This is how it should be done right now. Uh, if you guys look over in John chapter 18, John chapter 18, I meant to bring another Bible up here with me. Can somebody read that? John chapter 18, verses 22 through 23. Mm-hmm. Right there, Jesus is questioning, why in the world did you just hit me? <laughs> He's challenging the guy. Now we know there's another time where he was getting smacked across the face right before he goes to the cross, right? And he's silent. It's because there's a will of the Father that needed to be accomplished in him going to the cross. He wasn't there to stop. And in this instance, what he's challenging him is, what is the truth? Because the truth was being challenged. That was the difference there. So Jesus, when he's going to the cross, getting smacked, getting his beard pulled out, that's about self-sacrifice. That's about dying to self, isn't it? So that the will of the Father can be accomplished. But in this instance, in John, it's the truth is being attacked. And so Jesus stands up for the truth, right? Because that's the difference there. Another verse, look over in Acts 16, 35 through 40. Acts 16, 35 through 40. And this is with Paul and him being wrongly accused, thrown in prison, and not dealt with in the legal manner. And people should, you know, would say, hey, he should have just kept his mouth shut and walked out of the town. But he doesn't, does he? Richard, would you read that? That's good. So yeah, here's another one where Paul's challenging. I mean, this is not one of those one, you know, get slapped in the cheek and turn and let him hit the other. This is like, no, this is unjust. The reason for it is because the testimony that Paul had given, once again, had been accused as not being the truth right? So he's standing up for the truth. He doesn't just want this to be a secret thing of them just let out of there like, oh, nothing happened, guys. He wants it to be publicly like, this was wrong, what happened here? It's not about Paul and himself. It's about the truth that was being told, and it doesn't need to be swept under the rug that, where they went against it. And so there's different things that we need to be wise about when it is. Most of the time when it's about yourself and your pride, automatically you can know you better turn your other cheek, because it's not about you. But when it's God and him being dealt with, his word of God, it's a time to stand up for that, right? Another verse that I want to look at real quick is just looking at Christian love over in Philippians 1. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. 
Love has discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So Christian love is not just like, yeah, guys, we're all going to the same mountain. We're just taking different paths to get there. Hindu, Buddhist, I mean, we're full of love. We're all good, you know, and it's like, no, that's not Christian love. <laughs> you can't go with that. So you're looking at it, and you got to have this. you got to have the discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent. So it's not just like going out there and like, oh, yeah, I love your sin. It's, it's you. It, it totally fits. You know, I know, I know that's how you came out of your mom, and, and, you know, it's a disease you're going through. Love you, brother. <laughs> that's not discernment. That's not pulling out those things that are excellent. It's like we need to come back, and the love part of it is actually hard because we want to deal with the sin issue that's going on. We want to love them like Christ would. Christ went in there, and he saw sin. Guess what he did? Something I've never done. Went and made a whip. And it wasn't like he just flailed it in the air. You make a whip for a reason. You know, he started smacking those guys around, throwing their tables over. This was a big deal. Think about anything, like going to a casino, start throwing some tables over in a whip and start smacking some people. Right? I don't know why I said casino. I'm not saying that those are like... <laughs> there wasn't an underlying message there. Um, but with Jesus and having to go in there because they were using the court of the Gentiles in the wrong way, they were using it for personal gain, Jesus went and stood up and he was like, no, here, I'm going to have to do something about this. And so it's not being a pacifist at all. Don't get trapped in that mindset of being a pacifist and that, oh, Christians just sit back and they just love everybody and let everything happen. If they're going to come in and kill my family, let them do it. There's another verse, and I know you guys know that the first time Jesus sends out his disciples, he says, don't take anything with you. But if you read the next time when he sends them out, he says, take a weapon, doesn't he? And even when they're going about going to the Gethsemane, he says, bring swords, and they found two of them, and he says, that'll be enough. All right? Interesting that they have a personal defense item. Just saying that. Sword, Glock, whatever you want. <laughs> no, but it's just to further that point that it's not being a pacifist, that we do stand up for our families, that we do that. Um, but we really have to look at it. Is this for personal gain? Is this going to be about my pride, or what is this going to be about? I want to further God's message to these people. So what does that look like? So having that wisdom that needs to take place, having that discernment that needs to take place, right? Go back over to Luke Luke chapter 6. All right. So we talked about the one taking the cloak and not withhold the tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Which is a crazy one, too, because it's like I've gone through a lot of trouble to get these goods. I've worked very hard to have these goods, and why would I just give them to somebody that doesn't deserve it, <laughs> hasn't worked for it? And it's really come to that mindset is, are you looking after their soul? What does Jesus want to do with them? Are your goods more important than what's going on in their life? Use the opportunity to be able to speak to them. I don't know if you guys have heard stories about, you know, little old ladies getting robbed by these guys and they end up praying with them at the end of the robbery. I mean, cool things. They're like, yeah, you can have whatever you want. Let me just pray for you, though. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, lady, are you, what meds are you on? You know? <laughs> like, wake up. And they're like, no, no, I'm on Jesus, you know? And let me, let me share something with you before you take my stuff. And they end up giving their lives to the Lord. I mean, it's so cool. 
Because here's this lady that completely understood that that stuff has no value, but yet here's a soul in front of them that needs Jesus. And that's where Jesus is like, the focus, where's your heart at? You know, is it about the people or is it about your stuff? Is it about your pride? It's about what you earned, what you did. It can't be. It's got to be about looking out and seeing those other people. And just as you want men to do to you, I mean, this is the golden rule. You want them to do to you, you also do them likewise. Tell your kids all the time. You know, you want your sister to do that to you? All right. Well, then don't do it to them. Come on. Simple. Verse 32, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Because some people will be like, oh, I love them, though. You know, my friend can do some stuff to me, and I'll, I'll excuse it because, you know. And it's like, well, they do the same for you, so what credit is that to you? It's when you go over there, and even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? I mean, there's no love in here, is there? There's no heart. There's like, as long as I'm paid back, we're good, you know? But it says, for even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. There's no difference. And what he's talking about, there's no difference between you and the world. It's looking the same here, and he wants to you know, stand out, make a difference, be that salt and be that light. And so here is what it looks like. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. The whole thing that you want to do after going through that is that you will be the sons of the Most High. What is it to be a son of the Most High? It's to look like the, the Most High, isn't it? It's to look like him. That's why we're called sons and daughters. And so to achieve these things, it's like, then you'll be called sons of, you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil, isn't he? I mean, you can look at our own lives and be like, you're so kind to me. I'm so unthankful to you. And many times, evil, just downright evil. And you still lend your ear to me. You know, and it's like, wow. I mean, it's unbelievable. And if God's going to do that, why aren't we? So therefore, guys, be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. Not giving those people what they deserve. That's mercy, right? Just because it's a payback, you don't need to go do that. Don't go paint their curb red and put a fire hydrant in there. <laughs> I know you guys are tempted to do that too. <laughs> don't do any of that stuff because what's going on is he's merciful to us. Why can't we look at the other people and say, you know what? I want to be like my father because I'm his son. I'm his daughter. So I really need to pour mercy out on these people. And it's so cool because when people get to see that, either it's going to pour hot coals on their head when you do that, or it's going to make them start questioning, wow, you're really different. How many of you guys in workplaces, when you guys don't talk about the things that they talk about, all of a sudden there's a question that comes up, what's different with you? And of course, mocking you'll usually come after that, but I guarantee as soon as they go through a hard time in their life, they're going to be coming right back to you and asking you, how does this problem get solved? I see you have such a joy. You have such a testimony. There's so many cool things going on in your life. I want that too. And boom, there you go. All that suffering you guys had to go through, that enduring of that pride being stomped on by them and everything turning the cheek comes to this point where it's like, I get to share Jesus with them. I'm about to watch somebody for all eternity have their life changed. How exciting is that? Who cares about all that garbage that I had to go through to get to see this and be a part of what God wants me to do here? It's exciting, isn't it? If we can just remember that we're going through the hard times, that <laughs> we have that hope to look forward to, right? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. 
That's pretty cool. You guys know what that means. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I'll go back to the bosom part because I didn't really understand it either. I was like, what? I don't know. I don't know what, the, what, it, what it's talking about. Is it running over and it will be put in your bosom? It's like basically you're sitting down and somebody just like, poof, big old bag on you. Like it's, it's just like the biggest helping you could have, right? Like you're standing up, you can't hold that much, sit down, and it's just like, yeah, I get all of this? And that's what it's talking about. It's like overwhelming. So that's what it's talking about with bosom. Um, it's just one of those things that God's just talking and he's encouraging us. You guys, you hand out that stuff, you do this for your brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's great. Sinners do it for sinners. But why don't you go try doing it for the enemy, for those that don't deserve it. Go out there and do that stuff for him. And guess what? He talks about it right here, and this isn't the motive of it, but the thing is, you are rewarded. I mean, he'll give it back. There's that, I can't remember, I talked about it a while back, but one, a Christian uh, billionaire, and one of his quotes was like, he keeps you know, giving God, but God keeps shoveling it back. So he's down to 5% is all he lives on of all his money. The rest of it he gives away, and God just keeps throwing more at him. I mean, it's a cool principle. And I know pres- prosperity gospel tries to use that in, in trying to get people to give because they're like, you'll get this brand new car if you give us, you know, all that garbage. That's not what it is. It goes back to what I said in the very first. It's the heart issue, you know. Give, and it's going to be an awesome thing the Lord's going to do with you. It's such a good thing. Being built up on that rock and that foundation, having it solid, and when those problems come along, it's such a blessing not to have anything shaken, tore down, destroyed, cracked. It's just like, man, go on, you know, pray for him. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's Jesus speaking there. The same measure you guys are going to go ahead and step out of the way and and give back to your enemies and go and do these things for them, it's going to be given back to you. I'm kind of scared (laughs) because I do really bad with my enemies, you know, and it's one of those things that's like that's where we come back and we check it out and we're like, oh, all right. Then he goes and he talks about the blind and he gets his, you know, talking about judging others. But going back down, just to close, I want to go back over what we started with. Now that you guys know what he was talking about, let's look again and read through 46 uh, to 49. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? If you're going to call me Lord, you need to do those things that I've been talking about. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell." And the ruin of that house was great. And Lord, we definitely don't want to be building our houses on nothing. Lord, you talk very clearly in here. Just coming back to you, and I, you know, I think the measure being poured out, and Lord, just forgive us. Forgive me for what I pour out on my enemies, Lord. Um, just as I get in those heated situations, Lord, I pray that you would just overflow me with your spirit. That I would see the things that need to be done and, and seek after their soul. Just like you would want, Lord, just being your son. Lord, I thank you just teaching us through your, your word and, and how it is an effort that needs to be taking place, that it's not something we can just sit back and hopefully it'll happen, but it's something we need to take very serious. So just as we've come to you tonight and we followed after you, we've heard what you've had to say, Lord, I ask that you would help us to be doers, that we'd respond to your message, that we'd make things right, 
and we go back out there. And just as we say, and we sing these awesome songs to you of empty us so that you can fill us and burn away, Lord, I just thank you for doing that. And we just ask you to do that in our lives, Lord, so we can just exalt you and present you to this world like you want to be presented, Lord. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.